Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano. Peter Sampson is up next with The Pulse from 6 to 7 on 750 The Game. I'm thankful for college football fans. I'm gonna Every segment I'm going to start by saying what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for college football fans who have shown up in force, who read, who listen, who call, who root for their teams. Uh, I think you make it more fun. I walk through the tailgate at the stadium and I see you out there and I'm like, man, they look like they're having a lot of fun. Uh, I appreciate you and I'm thankful that you're out there. I'm also thankful for Jerry Palm, my old friend at CBS Sports. Great follow. JP Palm CBS on Twitter. Uh, He's joining us now. He's the guy. He is the uh, analytics guru. I, I call him my data head friend. And he's joining us now. Uh, but your background—correct me if I'm wrong. Your, your background is—is is in—is it in programming or what is it? What is the yeah, major? My degree is in computer science. Yeah, yeah, Com- computer well, science. I'm a writer. Yeah. You and I never would have bumped into each other on a college campus. Like I would have been oh, over. I bumped, I, yeah, there's no question <laughs> that we would not. We probably would not have, uh, especially a campus the size of Purdue. <laughs> but but isn't it neat? Isn't it neat how like sports? brought us together jerry and we've become friends like you know that's that's kind of the beauty and the glue of sport yeah i agree it's uh it's, it's funny i changed careers officially in 2002 um and i you know some of my best friends are sports writers now it's uh it's funny how that works jerry palm is with us he calls himself the resident sports geek at cbs sports but he is looking a lot at the bowl predictions and what is going on. You published something uh, three hours ago where you kind of looked at the picks, Ohio State, Michigan, and, and other things. But let's start Let's start with something like that. When you see a game like Ohio State, Michigan, I texted you this morning. I said, who do you like? I just wanted to know who you like because you see those teams more frequently than me. Right. Who do you like in that matchup? I like Ohio State because of just the dazzling array of talent they have, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But the thing about this game is it's a complete contrast in style. I mean, Ohio State wants to run up and down the field. Uh, offensively, they're so explosive. Uh, and you can see it in the Penn State game. Like, Penn State had them down for three and a half quarters, and they get two touchdowns in 37 seconds. It's just that's, that's what they can do. So they're never out of the game. Michigan likes to bludgeon you. They're going to pound the ball on the ground. Uh, with their offense, they're going to come after you on defense. They're one of the top defenses in the country. So it's really going to come down to which other, which of these teams can assert their will on the other. Um, but I like Ohio State, especially playing at home uh, in front of that crowd, uh, with the ability to be able to do that, to, to take advantage of, of the Michigan defense and, and get their receivers downfield and get some get a lot of points in this game. When you when I if I asked you the question. You know, which fan base or which team does this game mean more to? Can you answer that definitively, or is it just kind of like, oh, they hate each other, it's a rivalry? Is there is there one fan yeah. base that maybe it means more to? I, I would say at the moment, Michigan, because they've had so little success. But they did finally get the win last year. But over the last, oh, dozen or so years, it's really been Ohio State. And, 
And just to give you an idea, can you name the team over the last 20 years that has the most wins over Ohio State? <laughs> Not Michigan. It's Purdue. <laughs> Purdue has five that. wins in 20 years over Ohio State. Michigan's got four. Penn State's got four. Going back to 2002. So, yeah, but, but Purdue doesn't play them every year. Purdue's played them 13 times in those 20 years. Michigan plays them every year. They've got four wins. So this one means more to Michigan fans because they've had so little success against Ohio State for quite some time. Jerry, you're really good at crunching the numbers and trying to de- determine what the NCAA selection committee is going to do or the college football playoff committee is going to do. What did you think of this week's rankings? What are, what are they trying to tell us? Well, I don't know that they're sending a message. I mean, that's a lot of times, you know, people think, well, they're, they're sending a message. They're not really sending a message. They're just trying to evaluate these teams at this point in time. I thought USC would jump LSU this week. I have no doubt they jump LSU next week assuming USC beats Notre Dame. Uh, that's, I, that's an inevitability. The only way LSU finishes the season ahead of USC is if USC loses or LSU beats Georgia. And then, you know, LSU beats Georgia. You know, they're a playoff team. They're, uh, they, get, they get all the feathers in their cap. That's, a, that's the, the win that nobody's come close to getting really this year, except of all teams in Missouri. Um, but... You know, it's. I think SD is, is in a really good position now. Um, the committee is obviously warmed up to them. Uh, they got their first big win of the season against UCLA. They get another shot with Notre Dame this week. They're Pac-12 championship game. USC is in a position where they can get their top three wins of the season right at the end, and they'll all be real good wins. So, you know, it's it's a chance for USC to put themselves in a good position to make the college football playoff. Twelve and one USC. It's got a strong case to be included. It's not definite, but they have a strong case. It looks like you know one, either Ohio State or Michigan will get knocked out. Is there a scenario in which you see both of them could be in the top four? It's hard because there's a strength of schedule problem for both of them, but especially Michigan because Ohio State played Notre Dame outside the league, but Michigan's non-conference schedule was terrible. And then the league schedule is terrible. They each got Penn State because they're in the division, and they both beat Penn State, so that's good. And that's the one quality win that they each have. Um, and then Ohio State, like I said, has Notre Dame. But if you take a loss now and you're 11-1, and you know, you're, you're competing with USC, who's going to pick up three ranked wins at the end of the season at 12-1, and if that's what happens. You know, and teams that would have both beaten Notre Dame. Uh, you've got SEC teams there. You've got maybe an undefeated TCU. I think I, I think 11-1 Ohio State and especially Michigan would need some help because of the gap between Penn State, the third-best team in the Big Ten, and the rest of the league, and it's a huge gap. I mean, it's such a big gap that we might see an Iowa team that couldn't score more than, like, seven points a game for two months play for the championship hmm. of that league. And they'll be thirty-point underdogs and take the favorite. I mean, it's it's just a disaster in terms of the upper quality level teams in the Big Ten, and it's hurting Ohio State and Michigan their chances to get into the playoff at eleven and one. How much of a nightmare is it for USC 
and everybody else if LSU beats Georgia, because that puts two SEC teams in, in my opinion. Yep. No question. LSU's in, Georgia's still in, and now you've got possibly undefeated Ohio State or Michigan, possibly undefeated TCU, and everybody else is out. That's all there is. You know, it's the four-team tournament, and there won't be room for anyone else. They're not leaving out an undefeated major conference team. So it's, uh, yeah, that LSU beating Georgia, a very unlikely event, but, you know, they're going to play the game, so anything can happen. Um, but that, that turns everything on its head for everybody else. If you've got a loss at this point, you're all but doomed unless someone else were to take a loss, like TCU, most likely. The playoff as you see it, who are your four playoff teams uh, if you're projecting it today? Well, the, my current projection for the end of the season is uh, Georgia, Ohio State, TCU, and USC, uh, one, one through four. Um, that obviously means Georgia beats LSU and knocks them out. Michigan doesn't qualify at 11-1 and one, uh, because USC's resume is too strong at 12-1. and one. And then what does that do in your mind to the New Year's Six Bulls? Because I have a lot of Pac-12 fans going, you know, uh, if USC makes the playoff, is that uh, is there a possibility the Pac-12 could do better than just the Rose Bowl? I don't think so, but what do you see? No. No. Uh, no, they'll put a team in the Rose Bowl, um, most likely the runner-up, uh, whoever loses to USC, would probably be the Rose Bowl team. But it will be the highest-ranked Pac-12 team uh, after USC if they're in the playoff. And then that'll be it. Uh, there won't be another Pac-12 team getting in unless there are some upsets that clear a path for them, like you know Penn State losing to Michigan State, things like that. Um, but it looks like you could see four SEC teams in the New Year's Six because you've got four in the top the ten at the moment, but they've got two contracted positions. They've got the Sugar Bowl and they've got the Orange Bowl, possibly, that's shared with the Big Ten. So the if you have Georgia in the playoffs, then LSU and Alabama are going to go to the Sugar and the Orange because the Orange gets the highest-rated team from the SEC, Big Ten, or Notre Dame as the opponent for the ACC champion. And that's going to be one of those SEC teams because Penn State's not going to get high enough in the rankings. And then, um, and then you've got a spot in the Cotton Bowl for the highest-rated team left after the other five games are filled, and that's probably Tennessee the way the rankings are now. So... You know, it, it, it's not going to be room for the Pac-12 or the ACC or the Big Ten or anybody else because you might have four SEC teams in among those 12 spots for those games. I have uh, a lot of Washington fans who want to know what happens in a scenario where, uh, say, uh, or Oregon State beats Oregon, but um, Oregon ends up playing in the Pac-12 championship game. Let's say they back into the game under the tie-breaking formula, and then they get beat by USC, and Washington uh, wins the Apple Cup, uh, at that point, you'd have a 10-win Washington team, and you'd have an Oregon team that was, you know, kind of sputtering at the end of the season with two losses. Seven, is it seven, three. Yeah. Is it possible that the Rose Bowl would go to their cluster formula and bypass the runner-up, Oregon, and, uh, or maybe it could be Utah in another scenario, and reach down and grab Washington. They will not pass up a team in the rankings. So the Rose Bowl will take the highest-rated Pac-12 team after the championship game if USC is in the playoff. So, they'll t- I mean, they'll take the champion if they're not in the playoff. Yeah. But whoever happens to be higher ranked, 
So if Oregon loses to Oregon State and Washington jumps them in the rankings, then there's a good chance it's Washington, even if Oregon plays for the Pac-12 title. They're, they're not committed to taking the runner-up of the championship game. In fact, the Rose Bowl actually can choose whoever they want. Yeah. But the, the odd that nobody has the, the Rose and the Sugar and these bowls that have to replace teams, they can choose whoever they want. None of them have ever passed up the highest-rated team available. Jerry Palm, you're the best. Uh, give us uh, Thanksgiving. What are you thankful for? I got all four of my kids in the house, which is uh, a rare treat because one of them is, you know, 25 and living away from home, so we don't get to see them as much. But uh, I got all four kids in the house uh, for a couple of days, so we're excited about that. Did they all play in the band, or how many of your kids played in the marching band? Uh, they all marched high school band. The, the three boys marched four years of high school band. Uh, the oldest gave it up after high school. Uh, the My second oldest marched one year at Purdue. My third oldest just finished his freshman year in Purdue band. Uh, my daughter gave it up, band up after her freshman year of high school. But band family is, <laughs> is a real thing for us. My son, who's in the band now, is the sixth member of my family to march in the Purdue band. I love that. And you got you got to go out there uh, at homecoming this year and be on yeah. the field with your, your yeah. kid. You did this yeah. five years ago with his brother. That it must have been really cool yeah. to be on the field uh, in uniform marching. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, we weren't close to each other on the field, but that didn't really matter. It was just, you know, the shared experience was um, something you never forget. A lot of people, when they're in the stadium, the band will be playing, and they'll kind of go, this is a good time to go and get something to drink, or, you know, they're talking. I've watched Jerry Palm for years. He shows up in the press box, and, and when the bands come on the field, what do you do? You are locked onto the field. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, if, if I can get down to where I can, where I'm not, the press box kind of mutes the sound. So if I can get down, you know, to the stands and watch it from there, I'll watch it from there. But, um, but yeah, if I'm, the, if I'm in a press box and I can't get to the field, I'm the only one in the press box paying attention to the game. <laughs> Jerry Palm, hey, I wish you a happy Thanksgiving. You and your family enjoy those kids. Yep. yep, same to you. All right, there he is, laying it out for us. Ohio State, Michigan. I lean uh, Ohio State as well. Steven, you got to lean on Ohio State, Michigan? Yeah, I'm, I lean Ohio State in that one. I think uh, Michigan, especially with the Blake Corum, he got hurt. He came back and rushed once, but I'm not sure about his health. Yeah, Ohio State with a win. Yeah, and I saw, uh, I believe Ohio State beat Penn State at Penn State. I liked that win better than Michigan's win at home. Uh, so keep an eye on that game. But uh, for people who are hoping that the Pac-12 would get two New Year's Six Bowls, and that would be, uh, that would matter for not only the two teams that get to go, it would matter for the progression of Pac-12 bowl games. So I have a lot of Oregon State fans going, hey, could we move up to a Vegas Bowl? Could we move up to a Holiday Bowl in that scenario? Um, you're going to have to hold out hope for some chaos, but you also want to see USC make the playoff, and that way somebody else goes to the Rose Bowl, and that way somebody else goes you know, to the Holiday Bowl, the Alamo Bowl, the Vegas Bowl, and so you start seeing teams that were slotted maybe for the Sun Bowl start to move up in the rankings. Keep an eye on that, and certainly if you're an Oregon State fan, an Oregon fan, you, you want to win as many games as you possibly can, and the path to the Rose Bowl is there for the Oregon Ducks in Dan Lanning's first season. He's got to beat Oregon State, then uh, very likely would need to go to Vegas and either win that game or be in it in a way that was impressive enough to keep Oregon ahead of Washington and Utah 
in the final college football playoff rankings so that the Rose Bowl would have an easy decision to make there and take the Ducks anyway. Uh, I know a lot of Washington fans are hoping that Oregon backs into that game, gets kicked down in the rankings, and uh, Washington ends up at the end of the rainbow, uh, you know, having something big to play for on Saturday night in Pullman. So I think they'll channel that, of course. But uh, Jerry, as Jerry Palm pointed out, very unlikely to see two Pac-12 teams in the New York Six. It's probably going to be USC if they can get into the playoff, and then whoever else gets to go to the Rose. Uh, if USC misses the playoff, uh, they're probably headed uh, to a Rose Bowl or worse, uh, depending on how the championship game goes for them. I want you to leave it here. Our big splash is coming up. Jonathan Smith, Oregon State coach in the 5 o'clock hour. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Tell you something I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for people who are courteous. You know who you are. You're a courteous person. If you put the uh, shopping cart back in the cart corral, if you, uh, when all things are equal, wave the other person on in traffic, or if uh, someone lets you in in traffic, you give them a wave, or you let someone else in in traffic, and or you hold a door for somebody, or you give up your seat, or you're just generally thinking about more than yourself. Uh, I'm thankful for you. I just want to say that. Uh, let's go to our big splash. It's the one thing you need to know today. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. The big splash. Well, seven Michigan State football players are now being charged with crimes stemming from the assault on two Wolverines players in Michigan Stadium's tunnel after the teams played on October 29th. Defensive back uh, Kerry Crump is being charged with felonious assault after a video was released showing him striking Michigan defensive back Jamon Green with his helmet. Uh, a defensive end, Jacoby Winman, was also shown in the video and is charged with assault and battery. Um, the video showed a massive players uh, surrounding Michigan defensive back Jaden McBurrows hitting him and kicking him while he was on the ground. Michigan State initially suspended four players and then added uh, four more players after the video evidence was released. Uh, Michigan uh, is uh, saying that they appreciate the thoughtful and deliberate approach from the prosecutor's office. Michigan State's interim president said that the school would continue to evaluate this matter. Um, the universities, by the way, um, are rivals. And this is one of these examples. Like I just I don't understand it. I understand a rivalry. I understand that like Dodger fans and Giant fans don't have to love each other, but I've never understood the violence that comes with it, like the parking lot beatings that you see that are part of rivalries, the stadium tunnel stuff. If you are that fired up about something that's going on with your sports team, and I'm talking about fans now, I'll get back to the players in a second, if you're fired up enough to raise fists or throw a bottle or say, let's jump that person or knock someone out because they're wearing a different jersey, you might want to reevaluate or evaluate your state of mind. You may want to evaluate, uh, you know, what else is going on in your life or with you personally. Like, I've never understood it. I've never understood when we see these videos that go viral about people fighting in stadiums or punching each other at the urinal in the NFL stadiums or whatever it is that is happening at stadiums. And I don't understand the beating that happened in this tunnel. 
I'm glad that prosecutors are taking it seriously. I don't want to see like prosecutors get involved with sports, like anything that happens on the field. You know, even the Garrett Blunt handshake punch thing, I was, you know, I was disappointed with that. Like you can't have that happening. You can't have that be part of the game. It's not a game when that's happening. I don't want players to have to worry about getting beat up in the tunnel of a rivalry game. You really hate each other that much? Like it's a game. You're on opposing teams. This isn't like gang warfare with you wearing different colors just because you're in different uniforms. It is a sport. It isn't supposed to be life or death, and nobody's supposed to end up prosecuted at the end of it. Uh, Michigan State, seven Spartans players now charged in the tunnel fight. It's not even a fight. I mean, they more or less just jumped the players. I hate when people say that. It's a fight. No, it wasn't a fight. It wasn't a fight at the end of the game when LeGarrette Blunt punched the guy. He, he cold cocked him. It's not a fight when somebody gets jumped. It's, you know, it's it's an incident. It's an altercation. It's a jumping. It's, you know, whatever. But I'm glad that prosecutors are involved, but I'm also sad that they're involved. Like, guys, what do you think this is about? Let's let's go to the stadium stuff. What do you think it's about when, because we have a rivalry game coming up in our state at Research Stadium. I don't want to see any Beaver fan taking a shot at a Duck fan at the game. Like, I think it's okay to go into the stadium and be all right with somebody wearing the opposing jersey being in there at the stadium. I agree with you. It should be okay, right? Like, in theory, it should be okay. I don't know what exactly it is. Um, just, you know, whether it's you just bleed and love that team so much or it's the booze or whatever it is in the stadium. Like, people get crazy and they start to think that it is not going to happen. Like, it's not real life, right? Like, nothing bad is going to happen to you when you're at a game like that and they just go crazy. I don't know, man. It's just, you, it's weird. You hit it on the head. It's the alcohol. And people can't handle it and they ruin it for everybody. I just, I, is, it, is it just alcohol, though? Because I see people who drink. Is it people who can't handle their alcohol? Yes, yes. It's it's people who are already prone to making poor decisions, making a poor decision that leads to a worse decision. So if you're that person, don't drink at the stadium. Or just go into it with a mindset of, like, look, you know, have a drink, but it's supposed to be a festive event, for crying out loud. <laughs> We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth. Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.